Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Tiffany High on the call with us, and Tiffany it can be found at tiffanyandjoshhigh.com. That's tiffanyandjoshhigh.com, and I'm going to make sure to have that link in the show notes. But uh, Tiffany and, and Josh have kind of a unique uh, situation here because they really focused on processes and procedures and training and, and all the material associated with this. But uh, I understand that a lot of the students that have sought you out, it's all been word of mouth and just kind of organic. So that's kind of interesting as well. I really yeah, appreciate your time. Me on. I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I'm going to kind of start things off a little differently because I usually ask how you got into real estate investing, but I'm kind of more curious on how you evolved into a training situation that you have set up here. Um, so it's been about two years ago now. Uh, we had, we've been doing active real estate for about five years. And a couple of years ago, a lot of the people within some of my communities, cause I was also another several masterminds and education programs myself, and they saw a skyrocket in growth. And, um, and at that time, a lot of people kept coming to me, asking me for advice, you know, what are you doing here and there? And on, I'll be honest, one day I literally broke down crying because I was taking all these phone calls for free. And not that I didn't love giving back, but I had to put some value to my time. And so I said, hey, guys, I also run a real estate company that I need to be operating. I'll tell you what, um, if I come up with like a three or four week training and teach you guys all at once instead of taking your individual calls, would you be willing to pay me for my time? I'll put it together. And that first month, I asked the first 10 people that kept calling me, they all said yes. So I put together what I call the virtual group. And I've had that product for two years now. I do it for four weeks live with me every month. And I've always charged $1,000 for it. And people think I'm crazy. I don't charge more, but I genuinely love giving back. So I went from about 10 people in a month to I would say like 30 plus people in a month now in any given month. So, wow. Yeah. So it's just skyrocketed since then. So so is that a, is that live training then each time? Yeah. So we do the first four Thursdays of the month live with me, but they're all recorded and stored away so that people have lifetime access to it. And uh, over time, people have just gotten so much, so much results from that $1,000 training that they spread the word on behalf of our company. And it's just literally, it's just spread by word of mouth ever since day one. No, this is this is a great example. One of the taglines, if you, you go to my website, you probably noticed I, I say it a lot, and is that you can either put in the 10,000 hours and become an expert or learn from somebody who has made that investment. And, and that's an exact situation here where I can't imagine, especially with the experience that you and Josh bring, that, uh, I mean, this, this would obviously be a great investment. Yeah, we, um, it's not for newbies, but it's for people who have already done some deal flow. Uh, so we're not like teaching about, you know, what escrow is or anything. It's pretty, I would say more advanced from a marketing and um, systems perspective. 
But it's just, it's been wonderful ever since. And, you know, basically what came of it is after a few months of that virtual group, you know, people are in a Facebook group and they're like, hey, we want to know how you onboard and train your team. Um, So basically when people come in, we require they're in the virtual group. So sometimes I'll get calls, you know, from guys in the industry that are doing 20, 30, 40 plus deals a month. I want to come to our office and I say, hey, it's no disrespect, but I require you still start in the virtual group. Because no matter how big you are, there's always something to be cleaned up on your front end. And I'm a big believer that before you grow and scale a team of people, that you grow it on a solid foundation. And so I'm just a big believer that before you come to my office into a two-day workshop, that we get your systems, your phone flows, your marketing cleaned up. And then let's put people on top of those. And we'll show you how we build a, like a long-term team and don't have uh, turnover. That's just been our philosophy ever since day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that's that's really interesting that you say that because uh, you know a lot of people are in that situation where they're a one man band or, or whatever. You may may be just a couple or or a partnership, and at a, at a, eventually things get um, to the point where you need to expand, and and the only way to do that is by adding personnel. But you also need to have that processes and procedures in place? Yeah, about, um, I think it's been about three years now. Uh, I always like to tell people the story because sometimes I was, and I think the industry is still like this. They say the word scale, like it's the sexiest thing in the world and they hire all these people. Um, So I scaled a sales team to 10 people And I walked in one day and I realized I was building something that I hated. Like I honestly, the people were running me. I didn't have core values in place. I had horrible, now looking back, I had horrible phone systems. Like I put systems in place that they couldn't even make a hundred dials a day if they tried because I was limiting them as well. Um, And so since then, I, you know, one of my mentors at the time said, you know, clean up everything and start over. So I walked in one day, I let go of three fourths of my staff and I literally rebuilt my entire front end, all of my systems. And then I started to hire again on top of that. And when we hired again, we made sure we had core values in place that we had a like four to five um, session interview process that we were recruiting the right way that we were recruiting on top of core values. And I think, you know, it's important to get your foundation in place before you go slap a whole big team on top of it. Mm-hmm. So like, what are some of those things that you think that uh, people need to tackle right away? Uh, so what I typically see is that it all starts with, you know, data and marketing. And so this is really a sales and marketing company. Um, so if your data is a mess and you don't have a good data management software and there's a bunch of competing ones out there, Batch is one of them, you know, PropStream, all these companies, you can put your data management in. The importance, the importance is that you put it into data management and that you are delegating and outsourcing the management of when your marketing campaigns are going out, tracking all the KPIs against them. And what I see a lot of one to three man shows doing is that they're so busy wearing too many hats that they're also the ones launching the list every day and taking the calls and running appointments and doing this and doing that. So if someone on here is listening, they're probably resonating with, oh, you might be up at 6 a.m., you know, pulling a list, skip tracing a list, launching a list, and then you don't even remember the last time you played the list. Um, And so it's really important that you process every one of these flows out and delegate it 
typically to a virtual uh, VAs um, because they can handle it for a cheaper cost so that all your team is focused on is income producing items. Even my admin, for the most part, is doing really important tasks. Virtual assistants, are ta- they have taken over my entire back end. Mm-hmm. So everything from phone flows, you know, every single marketing campaign, have you refined the process of when a seller lead comes in, who's getting the call, how fast do people need to call them back? You know, what's the follow-up process? Like everyone typically comes in and no matter if they're doing 30 deals or more a month, there's something in there that can still be cleaned up in the processes. So, you know, virtual assistance is an interesting topic. Like, how did you, you, you essentially, you have a VA program yourself now. Uh, how did you decide to go down that road instead of having somebody in your own market? Uh, well, about two or two and a half years ago, I was referred to a guy overseas who was a developer by trade. So he was coding, developing softwares, et cetera. Um, And I started building out every process one at a time with him. And I probably have like 500 plus process flow docs at this point. And um, one day when the virtual group started, I said, hey, you know, I started this virtual group and all these students want to take on similar systems. Would you be open to growing virtual assistants where you're at and providing VAs on behalf of them? So so that way they come already pre-trained in all of my processes. And so he started hiring. Next thing you know, I think we have about 190 plus at this point. Um, we have an office, a three-story office overseas. Um, we probably have, I think, four layers of leadership. And one of the approaches that I took a little bit differently in, than others in the, um, in the industry is typically you go to a VA company and they'll recruit a VA and they, you hire them and then you're the one that's coming up with the processes, training them. And that VA might be doing like 30 different tasks. We looked at it as in, okay, how did the most successful people in the country get to where they're at? So think about Ford. They have an assembly line and each person is responsible for one thing. So that's how we approach the VA company. So one client may have 10 VAs working on their files and they don't even know. They have a project manager that works directly with them that honestly is typically smarter than me and anyone else when it comes to process flows. They're more sophisticated. They work directly with the client and they build out any special processes they want on top of what mine are. And then they delegate down and manage VA teams underneath them. So they have maybe one team is just skip tracing. One team is just pulling lists. One team is just texting. So that way your line of work is being, your skill set is placed in by teams. And because of this, we really don't have any turnover in in clients. Um, And on top of it, it was one thing that was really a struggle for me in the beginning was maybe I needed Podio or a phone system or something developed or connected or APIs, all that stuff is not my language. And since he was a developer by nature, I said, hey, can you also hire developers? And I want this all to be one company, operations and development. So now if a student of ours say has, hey, I want to customize this in Podio, they can send in a support ticket and they have developers that can work at any given time on their stuff, as well as operational VAs all in one company. Hmm. So it, it sounds like outside of the appointments, then any, any of the back office work, all of it is pretty much virtual assistance? Uh, I would say from a marketing and systems perspective, yes. 
Now I have an admin that does my QuickBooks and wires and banking and all that. And I also have, you know, an operations coordinator in-house that handles my transaction coordination, project management. But when it comes to, you know, texting and lead flow and marketing list and, you know, anything with marketing and systems, I have VAs doing. Sure. So, you know, they're, they're making and receiving phone calls are, you know, forgive this question, but where do you typically have your virtual assistants from? I, I more times than not, I find that they're from the Philippines or other, other areas. So my operational company that I'm referencing, they're in Pakistan. And then my cold caller VAs are in the Philippines. I, I work with a cold call center, a large one in the Philippines. Um, and then I also obviously have my oper- I have operations in-house, but that's more for transactions. Like I said, QuickBooks, project management, all that with our rehabs. Okay. So again, just to remind everybody, TiffanyandJoshHigh.com for more, a lot more information and some more details here. So, you know, you, you have your virtual assistants taking these phone calls and these leads are coming in. Do they just have a list of questions? They're just filling out a form or how does that conversation typically look? So we don't hire any virtual assistants for sales. So I, want, I don't want to get that confused. We do have cold callers that are VAs, okay. but my whole sales team is in-house. We actually, uh, we're a little bit different than virtual um, people. So everyone on my actual staff is in my office. Oh, I see. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense then. So then they have more of a conversational type situation. Correct. So lead gets pushed into my system and then my sales team is the one that is calling and taking them through a process. Yeah. The, the reason I asked that is because the VA that I'm used to, uh, that's exactly what it was, is that they they basically, it was just a form they they filled out. They took our phone call and it was it, it, it became very impersonal. Correct. Yeah. Our cold callers basically say, are you looking to sell? Great. My team will be in touch with you essentially. Sure. And then they, you know, send a form and then my sales team from there takes over. Sure. So you mentioned that you've kind of split this off too. You, Josh takes care of the sales team. Yep. So I uh, manage raising private money. Uh, I make tra- larger transactional decisions and then I manage all our backend marketing and processes. So in short, I'm responsible for getting him the leads. His team's responsible for locking them up. And then, um, and then I raise the money if it's a rehab. Uh, but yeah, Josh and I are totally different roles and responsibilities. So it sounds like you take care of a lot of the day-to-day operations, though. And you you mentioned KPIs and and the processes, and you're you're the one putting together a lot of the content associated with your training material. Uh, yeah, I probably spend about one hour a week on operations. I have it so systemized with my virtual assistants that I get reports twice a day. They're automated. I'm looking at KPIs and not only in spreadsheets, but I have them emailed to me on, on automation so that it doesn't matter where I'm at. I can monitor what's going on. And if there's any red flag indicators going on, then I can make phone calls from there. Sure. So what type of KPIs are you monitoring or tracking? Um, so on the sales team, that's a Josh question, but essentially, you know, what we try to do with everyone on our team is that they're only focused on three to five major KPIs themselves so that they're not overwhelmed with KPIs that don't result in revenue. 
So for our sales team, um, for our juniors, which is our follow-up specialist role, they care about pass-offs and how how much revenue they produce. Our closers, they care about processes, contracts out, revenue, or or sorry, uh, processes, offers, and then contracts. And those are the only things that that group focuses on because those are all revenue producing. Now, obviously, there's a bunch of other KPIs as leadership that we're paying attention to, such as how many leads per contract do I need to be producing? How many leads per campaign do I need producing? What's my cost per lead? There's a lot of KPIs in the back end that I'm making higher level decisions on and adjusting as time goes based on what's performing. But my sales team doesn't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, you know, we have rehab KPIs and then we also, I pay attention. I have an automated report that gets sent to me twice a day and it says, you know, how many dials per person's been made? What's the talk time? How many breaks are they taking? So I can manage my team from afar and just make sure everyone's doing their job. Sure. So, you know, outside of your training, then how many opportunities are, are you dealing with on a regular basis? Uh, we typically, uh, we do a lot of volume. So we produce 50 plus leads a day for our team. Um, I mean, we're typically doing five on average, at least five plus deals a week. Um, so we're doing a lot more volume. We're primarily in Columbus, Ohio and Kansas city. And we virtually wholesale in both. And then we do rehabbing also in Columbus. Okay. And then when you're, you're doing the rehabbing, is it fix and flip or are you rentals? What, what does that look like? We do it all. I'm a big believer that if you want to maximize your marketing dollars, you got to know and understand how to do every exit strategy. Oh, sure. So that is a significant amount of volume. And then as such, do you have a fairly large team then? Like how big is your on local sales team? Uh, We have five salespeople. We've got what we call a two follow-up specialist. Then we have what we call a floater. And that's where someone's primarily a fault specialist, but they've been promoted and they can also close deals either way. Then we have two closers and one of them is our team lead. So our team lead is the one that leads our daily huddle and does our daily sales training. And then Josh is the sales manager that oversees the team lead and the team. Sure. On that. And then we have an operations coordinator and an admin. And then how big is your VA team that's doing the cold calling and, and, and the like? Um, I believe I have, I just upped it. Honestly, I used to have about eight or nine. Now I have about 13 or 14 as from a cold calling, but we do all marketing campaigns. We do direct mail, online ads, Facebook, RVM, texting. We do everything. Sure. So then, then that group they're, they're broken down by skill set, So they focus on one task and master that one thing. For our, for your VAs. You, you had mentioned yeah, that. So I have VAs that are texting. I got VAs cold calling. Um, I have different agencies that are running things like my Facebook ads. I have different companies managing each campaign. So how many, how many contacts are they making on a daily basis to generate that those 50 leads a day? Thousands. <laughs> That's um, I don't really have the stats in front of me, but I mean, one thing that has changed recently because of the Trace Act and everything going on with spamming numbers, um, which has obviously greatly impacted everyone in the industry, uh, it's not just our industry, every company out there, um, is that things like dialers, for example, used to be able to be 10-line dialers or 5-line dialers. You can't do that anymore. So if you're on here and you're using a dialer and you haven't taken it back now to like 
two or three max line dialer, you're hurting yourself. Because now what the Trace Act and all these new algorithms from these carriers are doing is if you have a high abandon rate, they're going to start spamming your number immediately. And the abandon rate and what that means is let's say you have a three line dialer and three people pick up at the same time. It means that two of them obviously have to drop off. So that's called an abandonment. So the more times that that happens, your abandon rate goes up. And a year ago, what a healthy abandonment rate was like 5%. Now you pretty much got to be at zero or it's getting spammed. And even if you're at zero, it's still getting spammed. Um, so we actually have been testing literally using a one line dialer. So instead of even doing two lines, we're testing that this week. So imagine the call flow I used to get from 10 cold callers doing you know, a five line dialer, even now I'm down to a one line dialer. So they're touching a, a lot less people, but we are contacting more people we're seeing. Sure. So let's say you have one person who's making those dials for you. Even if it's a one-line dialer, are are they making? Is it eight hours a day? That that's probably equating to what sixty dials an hour. What what are they? What is it? Uh, we just went down to a one-line dialer, so I don't have the stats on it. Um, when we were at a two-line dialer and we had a little bit less cold callers, I believe we were only making like forty thousand a day, which used to be over a hundred thousand per day. So they were making a hundred thousand phone calls a day between the, the cold calling team, but that has significantly dropped, unfortunately. But we are contacting more people because we're seeing we're getting through to people mm-hmm. because our numbers aren't spammed. What I was trying to get to is that it, it I really needed to put, put this into perspective for some people because you know even if you're a one man show, the amount of dials you have to make in order to generate fifty leads that eventually boil down to, you said five closings a, a, a week, maybe. It, yeah. Well, there's a lot of activity that has to be done. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we generate, you know, I say 50 to be conserved, 50 to 65 leads a day. And obviously that's not just from cold calling. That's from all marketing channels. Mm-hmm. You know, every channel has its average lead to contract ratio. Um, so you know, the, there's industry standards, you know, we do direct mail. So typically industry standard is one out of 42 leads is a deal. So it's really easy to do the math. I always tell people right when I start the virtual group, if you, there's a few questions you've got to be able to answer and track just to get started. And so obviously we all got to start somewhere. And then once we start tracking after 90 days, it tells you a story for you to then start making decisions off of. So um, let's just, you got to figure out how many leads do I got to produce a day to hit the revenue goal that I need to meet. And so, you know, you got to be able to factor in things like hypothetically, if I want to make $100,000 this month and our market has a 30% fallout rate, which means 30% of them will fall out due to title or seller issues, whatever. Um, And then it takes me 75 leads to get a contract and 10 offers to get a deal accepted, like you should be able to back down those numbers now to tell your team exactly black and white, how many offers they got to make a week to get how much revenue to hit your goal. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> yep. It does make sense. And you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to back up just a hair. It would be great if you could share a story of, of like one of your students as, as they've progressed throughout and, and the type of success they might've had. Yeah, um, I will talk a little bit about, uh, I have a student that's been with me for a couple of years now, actually, who's a one-on-one student with me. And now he's in, I have a 
uh, six month group coaching program. Now he's also in that he came on board. Uh, he, it was just him. And I think it was one or two sales guys. And he was only spending about $3,000 a month on marketing. So one, we had to clean up his front end system. So we got his podio rebuilt out. We got his flows cleaned up. We got his IVR set up, you know, all that stuff in the beginning. And then from there, he came to the two-day workshop and he realized, oh, I'm not having success with my sales team because one, I don't even meet with them every day. I don't tell them how many offers they need to make. I don't have black and white KPIs. So we had to start and say, okay, what's the goal here? What's the revenue goal? And let's be realistic. This doesn't happen overnight. And it takes six to 12 months of running the company to even become remotely consistent. And when I say that, let's say you're doing cold calling. For me, it takes an average of 163 days from the time a cold calling lead comes into my podio and to the time we put it in contract. Now, keep in mind, it's another 30 days to make money if I assign it or another four months if I rehab it. So mm -hmm. the cash conversion is actually a long time by the time that lead comes in. So for anyone that's getting into this business, if you think you're going to become consistent within three months, that's just not possible, in my opinion. Um, so anyways, he was doing cold calling, I think you know, maybe some texting and I don't know if he was doing direct mail at that time or not. But it was just the philosophy of understanding that texting, you know, calling, cold calling, RVM, they all have a longer lead in your system to contract conversion versus PPC might be like a five day conversion or direct mail, you know, is quicker. Um, so everyone needs to understand the philosophy of how cold or hot these leads are. So he came in and he realized, I don't train my salespeople. All I do is pass them a script and hope they perform. That's what he said. So we brought him in and said, here's how we onboard our team, how we lead them, train them, interview them. And really the biggest thing I see missing from a lot of folks in the industry, which was also with him, is that people bring in salespeople and they don't show them a career. And if they don't see a career, guess what? They aren't staying with you for very long. So when they come in, they need to see how am I going to grow with this company? And if you just bring them in, throw them a script and say, here's 10%, in my opinion, that'll never work. You might get lucky and have someone that stays with you, but that's rare. And so what we have is we have five ways that someone can black like get promoted. And it's very black and white on when they get promoted. They have 30, 60, 90 day expectations. And then they have minimum expectations every month after that. And then, you know, they come in at a base plus a commission. Once they get their first 10 deals closed, their commission goes up. After six months with the company, their base goes up by a thousand. Once they become a closer, they go on a tier structure and then you can become a team lead. So there is a career path to coming into my company. Mm -hmm. And if you can't show them that in an interview process, anyone that you want on a sales team, which is probably thinking about growth, at least I would want my salesperson thinking about growth. They're likely going to, you're going to have turnover if you don't have these things in place in your company. So we helped him implement HR docs, uh, interview process, onboarding, training, leadership, how we conduct daily huddles, the structure to them. So now he has a team of about, I think, five. Uh, he's probably got 300,000 in the queue this month to close. And it's been about two years since he's been with us. Yeah, that's, that's great. I appreciate you giving that example. So, you know, like I mentioned, you know, it, uh, we're probably coming to the end of our conversation here, but I, I wanted to remind everybody again, Tiffany and Josh for a lot more information. And uh, this is really especially interesting. The, uh, the online aspect that you put people through 
to make sure that uh, it probably set resets expectations and, and gets everybody on that s- same initial page. Yeah, I um, since we only work with, ex, you know, experienced investors, uh, I just set a standard in our education that I'm not here to collect dollars from you. I'm here to make sure you succeed. And if you succeed, my program will grow word of mouth. And that's my goal. I don't, I personally, as of, you know, right now, and this might change in the future if I want to grow or whatever, I want to grow based on my people getting results. Um, and so when I get my people results and that's my focus, it'll grow on its own. And that's what I believe. So I believe that if I'm going to grow you properly, you know, you need to come into the virtual group. Let me live, let you ask me questions. I also bring on my developer so they can ask any technical questions in that training. Let's get past cleaning up your systems and processes. And then you can come to our two day workshop and then you can come into our six month program. I don't let someone skip the line. They have to go through the line in order to get into it because I'm afraid if you skip it, then I'm not going to set you up for success in my program. Well, have you found that uh, now that you have that process and and policy in place too, has has your life gotten a little easier or more enjoyable, enjoyable? At the beginning of this conversation, it sounded like it had turned into a bit stressful. Um, no, I mean, in the, it was stressful when I had people calling me, this is way before I actually started education and I was just giving out advice, not left and right. And I, at the end of the day, I needed to be able to train more people at once and value my time. And I value it at an affordable price. So that's one thing too. Like I understand no matter how big you are, that paying for education is it's hard. It is what it is. Like it's hard to pay for a one-on-one mentor. It's hard to pay for these things. So I make it very affordable to come into my education and my plan is to keep it that way. Um, And then one lesson I learned about it, uh, it's been almost a year now because we launched our six month program, uh, January 1 of 2021. I had a couple investors come to me that hadn't come to my two day workshop, but they had already big teams. And I said, all right, maybe you're already there. I'm fine if you come into the six month without going to the two day, but you got to commit to me about going to the two day in the next few months. I regret that now. I learned a lesson because they would have been set up for so much more success if I would have required what I wanted to in the first place. You got to come to the two day and then you can come into the six month. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly turning down folks wanting to come into the six month because I just believe and you got to follow a process to be set up for success the right way. Yeah. And was that that was it the two day or the six month? You you mentioned something was uh, about a thousand dollars. So we have a virtual group training we do monthly. It's through Zoom. That's $1,000. And that's all in my systems, marketing, uh, our sales phone script, and our basic dispo processes. From there, they can come to a two-day workshop in my office. Uh, We do them every other month or so. And then from there, if you want to be a part of our six-month program, you can be in that if you qualify. Yeah. And and if people are taking a a minute and going $1,000, gee, that sounds like a lot. You know, I, I saw a meme not too rec- not too long ago, and it really, really struck me because this is an example of people will throw down $1,000 for the new iPhone and not even think of it twice. Um, but to make that type of investment here that can actually make a difference, um, I think that's that would be money better served. Yeah. And honestly... Um you know, my program's just not a fit for you if $1,000 is doesn't fit in your budget, because in my belief system, like if you want to be doing consistent deal flow and wholesaling, it's not cheap, 
Like you need to be able to spend quite a bit of money to make money. And ultimately, if you can't spend a thousand dollars, like it's just not the right program from you. And I won't be setting you up for success anyways. Right. So, well, I, I warned you, my, my last question was going to come. Uh, what question do you wish I would have asked you here today? Um, I like when people ask me what my superpower is. So what's your superpower? <laughs> um, so my husband will tell you that my superpower is that I just get shit done. And by that, <laughs> I am not afraid to pick to just start. So if something needs to be figured out, I don't think about it. I just take action. And if I fail at it, who cares? I just do. And then when I fail at it, I'll learn a lesson and I'll at least fail faster to get to success. And I think some people, they their head spins in circles and they fear what could happen versus having a fear of not taking action because that actually results in you know what the worst case scenario of it not even getting done in the first place, right? So I just am like, my superpower is I just go after I get things done and I'm super focused when I know that something needs to be done. No, that that's a great lesson to learn. I, I can't tell you how many, you probably have run into a ton of people such as I, this concept of analysis paralysis just drives me a little crazy. They just, they will spend and spend and spend all of their time and resources and then actually not take any action. Yep. Got to take action. <laughs> well, Tiffany, this was a great conversation. I hope we can do it again sometime. And uh, uh, again, it is tiffanyandjoshhigh.com for a lot more information. There's a lot of great resources there, so check it out. Thank you. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.